Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. What's up, guys? I'm Courtney Bishop, your high-performance coach and host of the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. In each episode, we share insights around the topics of movement, meditation, mindfulness, and nutrition to help you show up at your highest potential daily. I provide solo casts to share tools I use with clients, as well as host inspirational guests who have taken the time to pursue what makes them come alive. In episode 37, I interview one of the most magical beings I know, Monica Reina. As a mom of two daughters, a Reiki master teacher, trauma-informed yoga teacher, spiritual guide, and life coach, she has quite an array of experience. Whether you are looking to find new tools to manage stress, go deeper into your own spiritual journey, or maybe you're a new coach interested in learning more about holistic healing. You are sure to walk away from this episode with a unique blend of resources to remember your wholeness. Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast, Monica. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm so excited that we're finally doing this. I know we (laughs) talked about it a few months back, and I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to speak further with you, get to know more about your story. Obviously, we've been connected for a few years now, thanks to mm-hmm. Mindful School of Yoga back in 2019, which we'll dive into that in the show, but really excited to just talk about your healing journey, maybe a little bit into your movement journey, um, and share with listeners your gifts, and hopefully they can draw some inspiration from your story. Awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, uh, obviously you are For those who don't know you, I guess let me give a little proper introduction. So Monica Reyna is a single mom of two beautiful daughters, uh, which is a huge job in and of itself, but I'm sure so rewarding. (laughs) It is. is. Uh, She is a Reiki master healer. She is a, uh, as I mentioned, we met in yoga teacher training. So she's a registered yoga teacher. And she is going to school in the healing arts to uh, further her knowledge in sound healing currently. So really excited to dive into that and kind of hear the story of what what inspired that for you. Um, And yeah, obviously she is a healer because of being in Reiki, being in yoga, and then sound healing. So um, yeah, for those who maybe don't know much about sound healing, much about Reiki, hopefully you're kind of aware of yoga. (laughs) We'll we'll dive into these today. So let's kick off with um, how we met. So a little bit deeper into Mindful School of Yoga. First, I want to know what drew you to that school? Well, um, honestly, I was running a, one of the fitness facilities for MVP, um, and some of my staff had been, or had taken Amber's, uh, certification and gone, or Amber and Carrie had gone through their school. Um, and so when I decided that it was time for me to kind of take that step on the path, uh, they were just a natural fit because I had, you know, seen just the deep 
transformative um, things that were happening with my instructors that had gone through their school. It was just, it was more than yoga. There was something that I couldn't really articulate, but just the stories they were telling, the books they were reading, some of the information they were bringing into the classroom and just some of the chats we had. I was like, that's, that's the place I'm going to do it when I'm ready to do it. Um, and uh, spring of 19 was a good fit. Um, so I reached out to them and it was just perfect. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, I'm so fortunate to have crossed paths in that program with you because it was, you know, obviously perfect timing for you. I felt the same about my own journey. Um, and I love that you mentioned there was something you couldn't really articulate because I always felt that about certain yoga classes and teachers that I had um, taken classes from in the past that it was like, okay, they there's something about them that I, I need some of that, whatever that is. Yes. And so um, actually I, you wrote in your mission statement prior to recording, you jotted some notes that your mission is to provide a safe space of love and compassion for others to embrace themselves as they are and to encourage their growth and evolution as a natural way of being. And so I share that because I remember you know, we weren't even formally teachers yet in the program, but I remember when you were called on to lead classes that you had this natural presence that helped me, and I'm sure many others felt it too, to feel safe and to feel almost held in this powerful presence to naturally guide others. So um, yeah, oh, pretty, pretty cool that. how that worked out. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was, I think the combination of, of students we had with us in that, in that particular class um, at that time, it was the perfect, perfect blend. And I know most of us are still very, in very close contact, you know, just really supporting each other and, and things of that nature. So it's, it was awesome for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. I'm sure. Amber and Carrie, who are the co-founders of Mindful School of Yoga, that's what they envision is to bring this community together to not only help each other to thrive during the program, but to build, you know, these lifelong relationships that continue uplifting one another. So um, I, yeah, I'm so fortunate for the program. And if anyone is listening and thinking about going into the path of yoga or looking for a school Monica or myself, I'm sure Monica would agree, uh, happy to chat more about our experience because it was a just very like comforting and hmm. yeah, Amber and Carrie, they just have the, the collaboration of the two really just helped to make you feel like I already mentioned uh, safe and supported throughout the program too really Absolutely. raise you up. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I really have recommended their school in particular to a lot of, not just my students in yoga, but my clients too, that, you know, maybe don't aspire to be yoga instructors themselves, but aspire to have like a next level education of sorts, a real, because for me, and I know um, you probably have some of this inclination as well. It was a spiritual journey. I mean, there was a deep growth that happened within that time. And, you know, I can't usually put it into words very well, but what I tell, you know, 
my clients and students very often is like everyone deserves to go through that, you know, spiritual journey in a collective of caring and loving and supportive and compassionate beings. Because when you're on the path, it can feel lonely. It can feel a little crazy. But when you have that solid foundation, like Amber and Carrie provide, it was, it was pretty uh, transformative. That's for sure. Yes. So well put. And a really great reminder that I think some of the folks in our cohort actually didn't really have the aspiration to be a yoga teacher by the end of it. So really great to call that out because it's not just about, I need to do this to be able to give back to others. It's first and foremost for ourselves and then to be able to uh, just kind of carry our light a little differently in the world after. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. (laughs) So help me uh, with this timeline. It was 2019 when you Mm -hmm. got into yoga and that was coming out of the fitness industry. So you said you were working at MVP and teaching classes. Um, What was the shift to Reiki? I know you said you were kind of noticing a need for energy healing with um, COVID was kind of becoming more rampant at this time. So tell me a little bit more about maybe where you were at in that point in time and what you were noticing around you. I had, um, let's see, in, in 2017, I started my Reiki journey. I received my level one and two certifications and attunements. Um, they were very, very life-changing for me. Very dramatic changes had happened over the course of the, the next three to six months. Um, I decided to leave MVP, but I decided to kind of stay loosely in the fitness industry. So I was doing more corporate fitness. I was doing workshops and lectures, and then I had some private clients on the side as well. Um, and then taking, um, yoga training and receiving my, uh, master level in Reiki and then my master teacher level in Reiki as well. But I was still just kind of doing that more as a hobby. It, in you know, I think you and I talked about this a little bit. It wasn't, Reiki wasn't a big, there wasn't a lot of call for it. And, and not a lot of people were like, oh yeah, I need to find myself an energy healer to, yeah. to help me chill out, right? No, people weren't really saying that at the time. So the people who were coming to me or contacting me had already had a little background in that. And um, so I kind of just did it when I could fit it in, um, with fitness being my primary, um, still, you know, you mentioned, I am a single mom. I'm the sole provider for my two children. So I had to make sure I had something solid coming in all the time. I ended up taking a position with fit body boot camps in 2019 as a, as a coach and then as a yoga instructor so that I knew that I would have a steady income. And of course, yeah. when, um, COVID hit in 2020, the fitness industry stopped, <laughs> So that abruptly come, right? And we were all kind of like, what are we gonna do? Like like everyone else, I'm sure in our industry, we started teaching classes online. We started offering, you know, I was offering yoga online. Um, but I was also dealing a lot with mental health issues in my own home, with my children, um, with my parents, with myself just the not knowing what was going to happen. Um, so I had to make a decision and the summer of 2020, I had the opportunity to go back to fitness full time. Um, 
And I decided that that's not what I was going to do. So I talked to, I have an office in the Caledonia area and I talked to uh, the chiropractors there and I said, you know, I'm going to come one day a week and I'm going to see how it goes. Um, I'm going to hit social media pretty hard. And when I say hit social media pretty hard, I'm not a marketer or advertiser or anything like that. So it was more my style. And if you've ever been on my business page, my style is more of inspiration. So I was throwing a lot of different inspirational quotes out there, really promoting just this momentum of healing, because I knew a lot of people were just either suffering outright or suffering in silence. Yeah. And we were all kind of trying to grasp at something. Um, so I just, you know, I have a social media person who actually helps me because I'm just super untechnologically sound. <laughs> the first two so I had to find someone and my dear friend, Jen was like, I'll do it. I'll, and I'm like, fantastic. So she really is at the helm of all that for me. Um, we collaborate and things of this nature, but she put some posts out there that I was starting to take clients. And that first month I filled up that day. I was just there on Thursdays. The second month, there was a need for me to come in two days. And after the third month, I ended up being there four days a week. And now I'm there up to six. And yeah. my clients are, they're all walks of life. Mm. It's there. I think one thing that, um, that I started to register was that there was such a deep need now for relaxation and letting go of emotions and, you know, stress relief that people were reaching for anything they could possibly reach for to get some of that relief. And all of a sudden, you know, Western medicine wasn't providing it anymore um, or they needed a compliment to it. And here we are. (laughs) Yeah. It's so, it's so wild. Cause I remember, I mean, obviously my journey is a little bit different than yours, but I remember in 2020 when COVID hit and I was officially a yoga teacher at that point. And so I took my classes online, just as you mentioned, many of us had to do. And it was like a collective kind of hit the break and pause and everyone kind of felt it like, okay, we've been rushing forward, rushing forward. And now we kind of get a chance to slow down. And there was like collective reflection happening. And so people started to look at you know, why am I operating this way? You know, that's probably the the root of most people where they're, what they're asking, but a whole other slew of things that come up, like you mentioned. Um, and so, yeah, it was a great, it, it was a collective struggle, but at the same time, a great opportunity collectively for people to um, look at different alternatives uh, for their mental health and just say like, you know, is this really how I want to be living my life? And, you know, who's running the show here? You know, am I in charge kind of thing? So um, yeah, as much as it was a challenge, uh, I think it was good for for the better, right? And um, I remember when I graduated from yoga in 2019, I felt like yoga was, it was accepted, but it was more just like another form of fitness. Whereas I've seen this transition over, it's only 2022, but just since 2019, I feel like people are starting to uh, 
walk into a deeper understanding of yoga. Maybe that's just my own perspective, but I am kind of sensing it from the wellness communities around me. And then based on your uh, reflection as well, you're saying that people are coming to Reiki, not just maybe the one subset you were working with before of people who like had heard of it and wanted this um, energy healer in their life, but it's all walks of life. People are becoming more open-minded to help them through, help them find relief, um, no matter what that is, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember uh, when I was, so you and I met actually about a year after I had had surgery for a chronic injury. And I remember, I don't know if I had told you at the time, but I remember like hearing of Reiki when I had met you and thinking like, it's, it's beautiful that there are alternatives to Western medicine, because I remember when I was in so much pain from my injury and I just was like, I don't even care what the healing modality is at this point. I just want (laughs) to not be in pain anymore. And so, um, yeah, I, I think for listeners, my goal of this episode today is to really help people who maybe are not familiar with Reiki or do have some familiarity, understand more about this practice and just help them to see that it is just another tool for whatever kind of relief it is that they're seeking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We have a difficult time um, in our culture really wrapping our head around things we cannot see. Right. So we need lots of science. <laughs> a lot of us yeah. are anatomical or nature. We've been taught that like, in, until I can actually see it or hold it in my hand, like it's not valid. And I think that was a big kind of mysterious uh, air around Reiki is because we work with energy, right? We, so it's not tangible. It's like, you know, when you turn your light on and when you walk in the room and you flip the switch and it goes on, you don't see the energy flow through the wall, come in and light the bulb. You just know it's going to turn on. And when I talk to my clients, I tell them, you know, everything is energy, in, in basics, physics class teaches us that, you know, atoms are moving together at high rates of speed to hold things together, but they're moving. And that's an energetic system in the physical body is no different. The mental and emotional and spiritual bodies are no different. So when the energy is scattered or off, that's where we see imbalance. And that's why Reiki is an incredible modality to help a person receive relief on all levels, because it can piece back together the things that they feel might just be out of sorts. You know, mm-hmm. I, we've all gone through times in our lives where we just feel off. Like we can't articulate it and we can't explain why, but we just feel off. And, you know, sometimes uh, some of us will listen to a podcast, right? And get the aha moment and be like, oh, okay. Or some of us will go for a hike in nature and all of a sudden our system recalibrates and we feel refreshed. Mm-hmm. I feel that way when I'm in the gym sometimes or when I'm on the yoga mat. Um, and a lot of people who come to me after a session, that's the feeling. It's just that, oh my gosh, okay. I can put, I can feel, I, I can think now. This is yeah. great. 
relaxed and, yeah. and all the things. And that is my hope for everyone. Now, the other things um, that sometimes happen are, you know, pain relief, um, reduction of stress and anxiety, you know, depending on what we're working on. Sometimes we have, a, you know, acute mental clarity if someone's trying to make a decision or connection in relationships, things of this nature. Um, but again, you know, we, our culture wants to see and smell and taste and touch everything before we even try to dip our toe in. And, Mm -hmm. um, prior to COVID, that was one of the biggest, I think, challenges for us as holistic healers in this, in this field, uh, uh, post COVID now people are just like, Hey, I heard that you can help me feel better. So I don't know what you do, but I'm going to come and see you. And I'm like, bring it on. Let's. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So beautiful. Um, So you were reminding me of a few things here. I guess I'll start with. um, So Jamila Took is another former grad of Mindful School of Yoga. She was actually on episode 15 of the POA podcast, in case listeners want to go back and reference her work. Uh, She owns a company called The Healing Touch, and she does body work and healing uh, craniosacral therapy, I believe it's called. Yeah. So uh, she talked about the idea of, you know, just doing this work on people. It provides them space to just relax and tap into that parasympathetic nervous system of rest and digest when so much of the culture is focused on going forward all the time and being in fight or flight. And we don't ever give ourselves the opportunity to um, tap into that healing source of, of just uh, rejuvenation. Um, so, so that's the first thing, because you mentioned Reiki, it's, it's hard to put into words, but I think at the essence, at least for me, it's the ability to create space and to really give yourself opportunity to feel things that you've been maybe neglecting or just to see yourself more clearly and uh, with with a sincerity and compassion and a non-judgmental view. So I'd love to hear from you. How do you, I mean, you kind of touched on it already, but how would you describe Reiki for someone who is not so familiar with it? Well, I would first start off by saying that Reiki is definitely just a stress reduction technique, like, you know, like anything else, like breathing, (laughs) you know, we can reduce our stress by really focusing on our breath. But beyond that, it, it, you know, it creates a deep relaxation. And you mentioned turning on the parasympathetic nervous system. Our bodies are so intelligent that they understand healing happens when this system turns on. So the healing cells will activate themselves when we consciously make an effort to put our bodies in that state. Most of us run around the planet in sympathetic nervous system, which is that fight or flight or freeze response um, because, you know, we're running from one thing to the other, right? Our thoughts are going crazy. Um, so what Reiki does is it helps the body balance and not just the physical body, but the mental, emotion, emotional and spiritual body at, at, as well. So it, it promotes healing and overall health on all of those levels. Um, And it helps a person come back to a sense of wholeness, like Mm -hmm. all their parts are put together again. 
you know, because yeah. a lot of us, a lot of, I work on a lot of kids in my office and a, a lot of times the kids, especially in that adolescence, pre-adolescence and teenage years, they explain to me, like they feel this internal shaking, almost like a rattling and they can't articulate why they feel that way, but it feels like pieces of them are all over the place and they come in and we're able to like reel it all in. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, like this is how I'm supposed to feel. Right. Um, so, yeah, you know, Reiki bakes basically just pulls us back to wholeness. You know, there's nothing broken about us. We just yeah. we get scattered. Right. And, and no one ever really teaches us the proper tools to bring ourselves back into that space. Yeah, I love that. Finding more wholeness or finding our true wholeness maybe is yeah. a better way to articulate that. Um, so speaking of your social media, I actually was doing a little bit of research on your Facebook page prior to recording, and I wanted to share um, your banner at the top of your page says, describe Reiki in one word. And I'm assuming this is based on clients that you've worked with. And so yeah. the age, the ages range from four to 13 years old. So I just want to <laughs> read some of them because they really made me laugh. Uh, so one of the kids said crystals. Someone else said good. Another is relaxed starfish. I love that. <laughs> Relaxing, happy, and peaceful. And then someone else said, I don't know. I really don't know how to describe it in one word. Peace? I can't explain it. It's unexplainable. So <laughs> I think that's a really good uh, example to illustrate that it is going to be a different experience for everyone such as you know same with yoga same with just life in general but there is this like commonality that you referenced of just like coming back into a state of harmony balance and wholeness that um you know who doesn't want to experience more of that <laughs> right right exactly um so you talked about, you know, when you got into Reiki, so you've been through numerous trainings in this practice. Now that listeners have a little bit better understanding of what does this healing practice entail um, and what some other people have explained as benefits to them, what were the benefits that you noticed um, that really kept like drawing you in to continue further trainings of this practice? So I think when any practitioner, um, any human decides to um, kind of take steps on a life path that is in service of others, um, a spiritual journey, if you will, there are things that happen to that human being. So for me, in particular, my level one and two uh, Reiki attunements and certification created this enormous space for me. It cleared out a lot of, um, I think, the noise that was in my head and the conditioning of this is how you do life, right? This is how you do life as a woman, as um, a Hispanic woman, as a single mom. This is how you do life. And I think my soul was calling me in a different direction. And it was actually saying, this is actually not how you do your life. Okay. And after my level two attunement, I literally felt like I was living someone else's life. And it was so visceral for me that it made me physically ill for a little while. And I knew um, going into the process that these things could happen, that there, you know, when you are not living your truth, 
so to speak, that, you know, you, you get bumped. You, your soul is, is constantly reminding you like, Hey, you know, this isn't why we came here. We came here for something else and you need to get your, you know, your act together and let's get moving. And so, um, I kind of had to come to terms with that at that time and choose whether to stay the course, um, that I was on, which clearly wasn't serving me, um, or to say, okay, I'm in, let's go, let's do this. And with that came enormous responsibility to myself, my physical well-being, my spiritual well-being, my mental and emotional well-being. So I had to commit to that. And I think in the committing to that, I just saw this enormous transformation and um, change happening, which made me like, okay, this is it. This feels really good. And sometimes in some days it was like, this feels really crappy, but I know it's part of the process. And yeah. if I just there, we're going to clear some more space. Right. Yeah. So was really, I think Reiki was a really big door opening for me and it led me to you of course, and to yoga and then, um, and then to sound healing. So it, it just has really created a huge, huge, um, just create incredible journey. Yeah. Wow. It is. It sounds like you reach that tipping point and then it's like, what opens up from that is just, um, there's a book I've read called you, you squared, and they talk about opening your gifts and it's like, you know, Reiki was your gift and that's the first thing you opened. And then it's like, now there's yoga. So now you get to open that gift and now sound healing is next. And so it's like, it's not just this one-time thing. It's like, you get to the more opportunities you take of like betting on yourself and going after what it is you want. It's like, there's always another gift there. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. So rewarding. I know you can, you feel that you've been experiencing that. I, I love, um, yeah, being able to open my own gifts and just that that path and calling as well. We share a common um, kind of mentor too, I believe, um, in Melanie and Lair. And she, I mean, she has said one of my favorite things, growth and evolution over a lifetime. And that's so, so true. You know, if you look back and you see the progression of how your life has taken and how my life has taken, that's really what it it is. It's just that saying yes, even when it's kind of scary. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, you don't even know you're like just touching, you know, (laughs) the possibility. And, um, yeah, when you look back, you're like, oh my gosh, I thought that was my peak, but it just keeps going. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So rewarding though. Um, yeah, that actually reminds me of another quote here that I jotted down from you, which I love. You said, the, uh, so this was when you were, I believe, getting into Reiki between 2017, 2019. Um, and you said, the more I allowed these gifts to run through me, the more I walked deeper onto the path of self-awareness, spirituality, and healing. And so that just kind of goes to show like what really stands out to me there is the power of surrender. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and I, I think once, and you've probably noticed this in your own life, once you say yes to letting go um, of the proverbial wheel of life and you just say for the greatest and highest good, let's do it, that affects all areas of your life. And as a parent of teenage 
children, <laughs> that can be something that I have, you know, can really rack a parent is just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to control this situation. I'm going to allow these humans to make mistakes. I'm going to, you know, even if I, I can just go back to my own teenage life experience and be like, you probably shouldn't do that. That wasn't a good outcome for me, but you know, how are my, you know, how are the, the humans that I'm in charge of going to be allowed to grow and evolve? Like I'm allowing myself to do. And that was probably one of the most difficult or most challenging pieces when I did say yes to this journey that ended up um, evolving and, and is still evolving with me. Um, so it's comical in some, in some aspects, but in others, I, I literally will sit in my room sometimes and I'm like, who left me in charge of humans? Like who did it? How could someone just put me in charge? Why did they do that? What? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> right? Like, I don't, I don't even know what to do right now, but it all, you know, it, they're so bright and, and brilliant. And sometimes I forget, like they are my greatest teachers. Some of the things that they do and say, and just the reminders that they gently give me, it's it, that it's all working out, you know, it's yeah. all flowing as it needs to, even when it feels like, oh my goodness, <laughs> here we go. I'm right? sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine I'm not uh, a mother. I do not have children, but I can only imagine at the older I get and the more I can kind of see you know, the responsibility that parents take on and how it is like, I guess I see it more through the lens of coaching. Like these clients are, they're, they're not my children, but in a way it's like, I am responsible for their outcomes in a way. And, and just the guiding of them kind of reminds me of like, okay, this is sort of what it's like to have kids. And it can yeah. feel like if you think about it too much, like, oh my gosh, this is a big responsibility, but at the end of the day, it's like, okay, there's, there's something here bigger than me. And I need to trust that rather than putting all that pressure on my shoulders and kind of freaking myself out and, you know, like getting right. in the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that I've learned so far in my practice um, from my clients, and of course here at home for my children is that the biggest influence that I think that I will ever have is leading by the clarity of my own example. So am I doing the work? Am I, you know, supporting my vision, you know, and in su supporting where I'm going and who I want to be and, and are my thoughts and words and actions propelling me forward or are they, you know, am I tethered to something in my past? It, you know, is it serving me or is it not serving me? And I think that that just that, um, simple premise, I have to keep, you know, reminding myself, like, it's the clarity of my example that that shines forth, and everything else tends to fall into place. When I remind myself of that. And for you too, I mean, I think that you're, you're such a um, an influential light for a lot of people, myself included, that that, you know, we see your smile, we see your vibrance, and we're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yes, she's got it. She's going, she's working it. And, and I mean, I think that um, we have our moments too. Like we're human. There are times where I'm like, life is really just challenging right now. And I'm yeah. very fortunate with my clients. Like I have, I think that all of my life experiences um, have 
brought me to a point where I'm able to really resonate with a lot of challenges that people are facing right now, not just as parents, not just as professionals, but, you know, personal challenges of, of trauma and resilience and things of this nature. Um, and before when you're, you know, when you're knee deep in it, you're like, my God, like, how am I going to get out of this? And, you know, there's all the stuff that comes with that shame and guilt mm-hmm. and all the emotions. But I think that once we do get out on the other side, we're able to help pull others up with us, as you know. Yeah. You're reminding me of uh, when I was actually just on my walk this morning, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day and the birds are chirping. I'm just taking it all in and enjoying it. And um, I think it was a quote I saw yesterday and I just had this insight in the moment of like, you know, life is, it's really easy to be grateful when life is good. But what happens when there's challenges and storms? And one thing that's really um, stuck out to me over this last year is to say thank you for my challenges and to actually be grateful for those struggles. Because as you were just saying, it is once you get through it, you realize like, oh, this was all making me stronger in those moments. But when you're like right in the middle of it, you're like, oh my gosh, this sucks. Like, yeah. How am I going to get out of this? Is this just going, am I going to be here forever and, you know, have all this pain, et cetera. So, um, yeah, just the grateful for even the, the parts that don't feel so good. (laughs) That is for sure. So I want to jump back to, um, the benefits of Reiki. Actually, we had one of the listeners ask, uh, they are familiar with the practice and they were curious of how to amplify amplify the benefits within themselves after sessions. What would you advise for them? So um, I often give my clients tools to take home with them. Um, I love uh, seeing my clients as often as possible, but for me, the goal is always to build momentum so that we get to a place where they come to see me on an as needed basis when life just kind of throws them a curveball and they're like, Hey, I just, I need a little help to get that momentum back. So a lot of the um, tools and techniques that I give um, are with purpose to be able to really um, kind of remind people that they have that capability within them. You know, we all possess the capability to soothe ourselves, to turn our own parasympathetic nervous systems on, to create, you know, inner peace and unconditional love within who we are. Unfortunately, we've just not been taught those things. So when you can, you know, remind a person that, you you know, you are not broken, there's nothing that needs to be fixed. We just need to clear some space so that you can feel what it feels like to be fully relaxed and in your body. And then, you know, start, you know, moving forward on the journey. Um, So things like sound frequencies, um, simple meditations, breath work. Um, I do, uh, well, depending on the client, assign like a, a gratitude practice. Um, my favorite, I was just speaking, uh, I did a series of uh, workshops for the Barry and Eaton County uh, Health Departments. So I did a four workshop, workshop series on stress and it was, you know, the effects of stress, uh, emotional eating, how we can change mindset, things of this nature. And one of my favorite tools is um, the a twice a day check-in. And it's very simple, uh, setting your alarm for two different times a day, random times, And when the alarm goes off, just checking in with how you're feeling, 
you know, your feelings are the greatest indicator of where your internal vibration is actually set. So if every day your alarm's going off at five o'clock and you're pissed off, like there might be <laughs> something to explore there. You know, are you mm -hmm. stuck in traffic? Are you having to do something that you don't really want to do every day around five o'clock? Or is it your own thoughts that are just kind of spinning at that time for whatever reason? And then we start to implement some tools to kind of get ahead of that. So when that time rolls around, we're in a better, you know, space. Maybe it's a couple deep breaths. You know, maybe it's taking five minutes to yourself to just recalibrate. But until we bring awareness in to where those hiccups are, we can't really, you know, start to build momentum in the direction we want to go to be able to create that stillness inside. Yeah, yeah, so important. And like you said, there are just so many tools out there. And so I think it's really important to highlight to listeners that, you know, Reiki in itself is a tool as well. So like try it on and maybe experiment with different practitioners and all the tools Monica just suggested. Like if the first one doesn't work, try something different or maybe a different time of day. And it's just um, so much about experimenting and finding what works for you. So I want to jump to uh, your, your, your offering. It's such a unique blend as you are a unique individual and you've walked, you know, your path according to your own truth and calling. So you offer a fusion of Reiki, which we've talked about, but also emotion coding and mediumship and spiritual life coaching. So I think spiritual life coaching is kind of pretty self-explanatory. Could you Speak a little deeper into emotion coding and then mediumship for listeners. So emotion coding is a technique of the removal of negative emotions that get embedded in the body over time. No one gets out of negative emotions. We all have them. We, you know, some of us have um, a little bit more negative life experience than others, but we just emotion, um, we're human beings, so we feel. Emotions get embedded in the body when we aren't really taught um, how to properly express our emotions. So they come full circuit and metabolize out of the body. Some of us were raised in environments where we weren't allowed to express ourselves, or maybe we were kind of shut down, um, or perhaps, you know, there was too much going on at the time through authoritative figures, caregivers, whatever, that it would just wasn't one of those things that was, you know, brought to the table. And, and so those emotions have to go someplace and usually it's the physical body. And so when we see um, negative emotions stored for long periods of times, that's where we start to see these kind of different effects, whether that's physical pain, acute pain, chronic pain, which turns into maybe illness or disease, um, mental clarity that's absent from a person, you know, that foggy brain feeling, maybe disconnection or things like, you know, insomnia or lethargy, um, depression, anxiety, overwhelm, all of these, you know, these components can be the effects of having a body that is just at capacity for emotion. And mm -hmm. so emotion coding um, is a technique uh, that's, that's been around for a while. And it's just the stripping away of emotions through the governing meridian, which is one of the main in Chinese medicine. Uh, and when a person is in a deeper state of relaxation, I can go in and that's where the mediumship comes in and okay. talk to the back. So, um, 
and the body is highly, highly intelligent. So it will only release what a person is ready to let go of at that time. You know, the average human stored thousands and thousands of emotions. If we moved, you know, 2000 emotions in a setting, I might have someone, you know, in a puddle on the floor and that's not what I want. Um, <laughs> the average person will, will release between three to a dozen emotions at a time. And that's just enough. You know, that's, that's a good amount. A person can feel some relief from that. Um, and the, the mediumship um, was just, it was actually a surprise to me. It was a byproduct of just being attuned to the level of Reiki um, that I am. Mm. And it opens up those channels, you know, the channel of clairvoyance, clear audience, clear sentience. Um, and every, it's important to understand that every single human being has these capabilities. Yeah. You know, like anything else, it's a muscle, right? So, as you know, you can go to the gym, you know, one time, but your six pack is probably not going to pop out after that hour spent at the gym. It's a bummer, yeah. right? <laughs> I would give anything to be able to go work out once a week and have that six pack rocking, especially after Taco Tuesday that I love to <laughs> go hang out. But um, you have to exercise it or it atrophies. And I think that um, because we aren't raised in a culture um, or society that really nurtures those senses, we just don't know about them. You know, um, mine came full force after my master level attunement. And so I have that capability of hearing spirits, um, a, a guidance team, um, a, sometimes in sessions, my clients, guides and angels will come in as well. Sometimes loved ones will visit. And I just, at first, I, it kind of freaked me out a little bit because I wasn't really looking for that. I wasn't actively seeking it. Now I relish in it. I love it. I think it's vital and valuable to my clients. It's valuable to me um, and my children, my oldest of which is, is highly, highly intuitive. Um, and, you know, that's one of the byproducts of just being in session with me is um, that some of that comes through. Um, and I never know what I'm going to get until I start working. Um, and every, every session is different for the same client and every client is different depending mm -hmm. on where they are on the life journey. So yeah. we never know, you know, whatever a person is really open and ready for will happen. Hmm. Yeah. That's super helpful, especially for listeners who are maybe interested in potentially working with you in the future to kind of know, like, what is the, uh, what does the session kind of look like? And, are they, is that what they are looking for to know, am I a good fit for Monica, um, right. for the type of clients that you call in? Um, I, I'm personally curious when you go out in public, do you have any rituals that you kind of practice to maybe like lower the sensitivity so that you don't feel so overwhelmed by others' energy? Uh, just by, I can tell by, you know, the work that you've done and your, um, in your own practice that, you know, being in public spaces could be uh, overstimulating if you are not maybe uh, cautious. Yes, that's an excellent question, actually. <laughs> um, and I kind of learned the hard way on that one. Uh, I, uh, 
uh, was in, you know, very public places, concert. I loved concerts. I loved live music. I loved, um, and all of a sudden I felt very, uh, res- like constricted, almost like I couldn't breathe. I was like super sensitive. And I, so I called, um, my Reiki master and I was like, what is going on? Like, I feel like I'm freaking out. And she goes, well, did you, you know, kind of draw in some protection. And I was like, protection from what? And she's like, other people's energy (laughs) go. Mm -hmm. No, I go, but that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. every morning after meditation, um, I will usually just say a prayer, uh, of guidance and that, you know, only what is needed for me and for my clients for the highest good be allowed in. Um, and sometimes I will tell you, Courtney, there, there are some times when I'm out And I will get a message, you know, if I'm out to dinner or something and, you know, something will filter through, but I understand that I have free will. So I can say, Mm -hmm. you know what, not now, or, um, I can, you know, ask for more uh, clarification on that if it's needed or or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. I have brings to mind, I have a colleague uh, of mine, a very, very dear friend who is also a medium and she's a card reader and she is just exquisite. And we were out to dinner the other night and we're in mid sentence talking about our kids or something. And she got, she just stopped and her eyes perked up and she goes, I'll be right back. And I was like, I go, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, she ran to our waitress and she whispered in her ear. And then she sat back down and she's like, oh, I just had a message from her aunt. I had to deliver. And I was like, girl, wow. She's like, well, sometimes she goes, sometimes we need to, we need to, you know, do that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I say, I, I am more comfortable just doing that in session. Mm, I see. I see. People come in, you know, and they know they're coming in and they know that that might be a possibility. And I always ask permission, of course, especially, mm, yeah. you know, when it's a new client, we discuss it in full detail. You know, that's one of the things um, when my clients come in for the first time, we go ev- through every single aspect of the session what they might feel, what exactly what's going to happen, um, as far as like the technical parts of it. And I say, you know, there, there is a chance that there could be messages. There could be loved ones. Is this something that you would like to receive? Um, because it's personal, you know, when you Mm -hmm. exchange energy, when you open a door for someone, it's a very intimate and personal experience and it's designed, especially for that individual. Um, and I don't know a person's life experience. And another thing I, I don't see, like some people are afraid to come to see me because they're like, oh my God, are you going to like see? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to see when you were 10 years old and you, you know, push the kid off the bike. No, I don't see like that. Like, I only see and hear what is needed at that time for the session. And usually, honestly, nine times out of 10, it's really validation mm. of that person you know, and, and really just maybe just a clearing of resistance that, so that person can think a little clearer, make a decision, you know, that's really all that, um, I, I receive. And, and mainly that's because I say, you know, I just want what's for the greatest and highest good of Mm -hmm. this today. You know, I want us all uplifted and held in that space. Um, but I think it's funny because sometimes, you know, people get a little, (laughs) afraid to come you know I don't know I don't know if I want to do that yeah yeah I can understand the uh self-consciousness maybe of like oh my gosh I don't want you to see my whole entire life trajectory here you know the parts people are maybe not so um proud of in their in their decision making that's funny 
Um, so speaking of the clients that you see, I want to know first, because I, I know your background, why, what was the appeal to working with kids when you were kind of getting into Reiki? Was that oh. by choice or were they kind of naturally drawn to you? I, they were drawn to me. I, I honestly, when I went back, I had no intention. I don't, in that, that I didn't have any intention. The thought didn't really cross my mind, to be honest with you. Like I didn't say, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to work with this age group. And I just went because I was like, I just want to, I want to use this. This is a gift. Um, I know that this is the path I'm to be on. So I'm just going to open it up and see, and it's that surrender thing. You know, it was like, I didn't want to control the conditions. I just wanted to do it and see what happened. And for some reason, (laughs) kids, um, just resonate with it. And, um, I think one of the most eye-opening things for me, both, uh, as a professional and, as a mom was that we want so, so desperately to ease the pain for our children. We want to make things better. We, we get so worked up when our kids are not okay. It is, I mean, and it's very hard for me to articulate because I, I mean, you know, a little bit about my oldest daughter's journey, um, with, with trauma. So I very much understand that space. And so when a lot of the kids that I see in my office have things like emotional, um, special needs, um, they're on, you, sometimes they're on the spectrum. Sometimes they have severe anxiety, um, some of the kiddos haven't left their home. Um, and then I have some kids who are just like, they have a hard time sitting still in class or paying attention, or they're having some friendship things that are going on, or, you know, they're at home, they're acting up or out. And one of the most incredible things that I think that has happened in my office is helping parents understand that this is a journey and there's nothing wrong with your child. There's nothing broken. We don't have to manipulate anything. What we want to do is really bring compassion and understanding and love into the space so that they know that nothing is wrong with them, that these emotions are going to pass, that we're going to help them create tools so that they can help themselves soothe when they need to. Um, And that you understand, like as a caregiver, your energy is vital. It's very important. If you are in a whirlwind of chaos, your child is going to be in a whirlwind of chaos. Mm -hmm. Your child is going to reflect off what your energy actually is. And children are so in tune with energy that they can sense your mood when you pull in the driveway. Like they're especially the little, the itty bitties that I have, I call them itty bitties that I have, like they pick up on that right away. I had, I, I had a new client last night. He is four and he came in and he's hilarious. He was, he said the most brilliant things to me last night. And I was like, wait, who's the healer? (laughs) I was like, can I just say, you know, Um, But if we really listen to our children, they will, they will reflect back to us what we need to look at a little closer, whether that's patience or self-compassion or slowing down. Um, 
But as soon as parents understand that their energy plays a huge role in that, their stress reduction plays a huge role in that, and they start taking steps to help themselves, their child's energy naturally starts to change. The environment starts to change. And that has been one of the greatest gifts with working, you know, just having the kids in the office is awesome. But that's really helpful, I think, for a lot of families that have come that have been open enough to come and see me is that, you know, you got to take time for yourself, mom. You got to take time for yourself, dad. You have to recalibrate because you just spin. And when you spin, everybody spins. And that's mm-hmm. not fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> that right. not fun when you're trying to get a kid to stop screaming. Like that's not fun. No one has fun then. <laughs> yeah, and it's so important to just hear that reminder. I'm sure for you know anyone who's listening who may be a parent that it's like, okay, yes, I am a mom or a dad, but first and foremost, I am a human, and I have to take care of me first to make sure that everything else flows flawlessly. And again, relating parenting to coaching, I find that same um, example in my business is that I have to take care of me first, because if I don't, then everything else kind of goes into shambles. So exactly, exactly. And we, we and you know, the, the greatest analogy for that is, you know, you throw a stone in a pond and it ripples out, the energy ripples out from it. That stone is your heart space. And if you don't care that in in that space and and really take care of yourself, you have nothing that's going to ripple out from you. It it doesn't come from the outside in. It always ripples out from the inside out. And you you just simply can't give what you do not have. So you have to take that time. It's really essential. Whether you have children or not, like our, our lives are just, you know, we, you know, kind of put our heads down and we start grinding it out, forgetting that, you know, that is just the, one of the key components of being a healthy, thriving and happy human is to create that self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. You remind me actually of one of the things mindful school of yoga gave to me was just reminding me of my spirit. And like, I'm so much into strength training and I've been an athlete my whole life, but, and, and so I am focused on building muscle and building strength physically, but I got to a point where my body felt so broken physically. And then when I went through mindful school of yoga, I was like, oh yeah, there's something bigger here than just my physical strength of my body. There's like my spiritual strength. And so when, you know, just like you said, um, whatever needs to come through comes through for sessions and clients. And so for me, that's what I felt like needed to come through via mindful school of yoga was just that reminder, because as humans, life just gets busy and we can only store so much information in our brains, but at, at, you know, sometimes you just forget. And it's like, you hear the reminder and you're like, oh, I knew that. Like, I knew that I should have meditated, but I just had so many other things going on that you forget. So, um, yeah, just, it's always loving reminders that come through for, (laughs) our highest good. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you just reminded me of something too. Um, oftentimes, uh, my clients will, will talk about meditation, meditation. I'm a huge proponent of meditation. I, I am just, I am constantly really, really hitting home on the meditation piece. And 
a lot of my clients like will push against that. Even even my students, even my yoga student will push against that. Well, I, I can't, I can't shut down my mind. I, I can't set my thoughts. I don't have enough time. I, yeah. you know, it's one thing after another. And um, I always tell my client, you know, if you can breathe, you can meditate. It's, you know, if you can, you know, hang out in your pajamas for five minutes and breathe, like you're meditating. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, it's really more about what are the non-negotiables in your life? And when I first started meditating, um, I was very, very um, on and off meditator. Like I would meditate for a couple of days, um, five, 10 minutes. I feel great. And then something would happen and I have too much to do. And then I wouldn't do it. And like a couple of weeks would go by. And then my life would be like chaos. And then I try to sit down and meditate myself out of the chaos. And I was like, this, does, this doesn't even work. <laughs> Obviously, this isn't the answer. Right. So I remember um, in 2015, I was like, I know this is good for me. I know that I feel amazing when I do it, even if it's just five minutes. I know that all I have to do is close my eyes and breathe and just allow myself, if thoughts are going to spin, I have to be okay with that. And just, and just keep doing it. Do I want to make this a non-negotiable in my life? Do I want this to now be a part of who I am and my lifestyle? And it was in that kind of decision-making process that I thought it was almost like this freeing, like this, oh, well, this is who I am now. Mm -hmm. Like, this is my new way of being, um, that, getting up at 4am because that's what I had to do the first year with kids and schedules and work. I had to be up at 4am to get in 15 minutes of meditation and all the other things that needed to be done before waking up kids. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this is a non-negotiable. That means that I have to do this now every single day. And, and when I think I made that decision, it was like a no brainer, like, like nothing, you know, would sway me from that path because I knew that meditating felt good to me mm. and, you know, we don't meditate to get good at meditating or to be enlightened. We, we meditate to feel good and to get good at life. Like yeah. meditation helps you chill out. <laughs> like, who doesn't want to be chill? The majority yeah. of the right? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely resonate with that. Um, when I first got into the path of meditation, it was very much like, oh, it makes me feel good. And so I did it for a couple months. And then I was like, okay, got the benefit. Let's go do other things. And I always say like, you know, mindfulness, it's not something you check the box off and you're like, I did it. I'm mindful now. Let's go, you know, uh, master the next discipline. It's a lifelong thing. And so I feel like with meditation, it's never something that you are going to master and then you can just move on. It's a um, constant visiting of just letting go, breathing, noticing, and, uh, just observing what is. So yeah, for yeah. sure. sure. It's Great. definitely not a college degree. You definitely <laughs> just don't hang it on the wall. You no. know, it's one of those things that, you know, it, it is a daily practice because we, you know, humans are in constant evolution. We're constantly changing, you know? And so we need that space for ourselves to have what we call uh, adaptive energy. So, you know, when things really get intense, we have those reserves within us. That piece is already there. It's already innate and we just allow it to surface to be able to be present for that challenge. And that's what meditation provides 
And as we, you know, really make that a, a lifestyle and non-negotiable, we see the enormous benefits, as you know, of making it that daily, daily practice. Yeah. 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 I think another benefit is just the constant that it can be, the constant habit. Like life is always changing, but we can always have this one um, discipline that we practice and it's just always there no matter of what everything else is doing around us. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the topic of Reiki, someone was actually asking, how do you get involved in studying it? Do you have any advice for that? If people are, you know, they're hearing this conversation and they're like, okay, I want to get more into meditation and healing and just either further their own journey or maybe be able to give these gifts back as well. What path would you recommend for them? I um, actually have students. I am attuned to a master teacher level. So I do uh, facilitate trainings um, for levels one, two, and then the master level. But I also have colleagues that um, are master teachers as well. So the first step is just, you know, finding someone that you resonate with that kind of, you know, um, holds your level of kind of, um, yeah, resonate with. I think that's the best word I can come up with because you really have to feel comfortable with who you're learning from because it is, it's sacred. It's a sacred practice, just like, you know, any other spiritual modality, healing modality. And it, it is um, a giving and a receiving of energy. So it can be, um, you know, one of those things that can draw forth a lot of, you know, maybe certain belief systems or habits of behavior or thoughts that are no longer serving us. And when those surface, you want to make sure that you are in a a supportive area with someone who is compassionate and caring and can help you process some of those things. I've um, certified Geez, in the past couple of years, um, I've probably done between 25 and 30 certifications um, of levels one and two and three. And mm-hmm. I've and I've seen across the board just different. It's just different for everyone because everyone's journey is is so unique to them. So um, you know, some people receive attunements and certification and and they're like, okay, let's do this. And some, you know, have to go inward a little more and do some, some self-healing work and care that maybe they had been neglecting. And so that's where they start. Um, Much like, you know, our yoga journeys, some of us popped right in and started teaching right away. And some of us were a little more reflective and we're like, you know what, I I think this was just a door opening into something else now. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's different for everyone, but I would definitely, recommend researching which, um, you know, either school or individual really, really resonates with you and go take a session from them. Go even, I've had um, people reach out to me and they just want to sit and chat. They just want to know my backstory. They, they want to have a conversation. So I've met potential students for coffee or I've had them, you know, in my office. Sometimes we do a session. Sometimes we just talk. Mm. Um, so I definitely recommend that. And also, you know, if you get involved in it and you like something doesn't feel right, feel free to, to just say, you know what, I, maybe I need to wait. Maybe I need to, you know, just hold off for now. Definitely, you know, really be in tune with, with what your intuition is, is telling you and guiding you. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important reminder um, that if anyone ever says like my way is the way, that's like a red flag to run because it's like you, you, everyone is their own um, uh, expert on themselves. So, you know, don't just um, let yourself be swayed by someone saying like, I have figured it out, come do the thing that I'm doing you know, have the sovereignty to make choices that are best for your well-being. And, and yeah, all that. <laughs> that's a great point because there are various, I mean, there are quite a few different Reiki schools and some of them are very, very extensive in nature. And some of them are not in, in some people, you know, want a full weekend of level one and some people want, you know, a five hour training session, and, you know, and it's really, you really have to hone in on again, what your intuition is guiding you to do. And because one isn't better than the other, it's, you know, we're all just uniquely designed and we have to really gravitate to what is calling us. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of what is calling to you, uh, I think that's a perfect segue into uh, sound healing is like this next evolution step for you. So um, first, I guess, for listeners who maybe are not familiar, could you give them a little bit of an idea of what sound healing is. And then I'd love to hear like, what drew you to this path? Um, I am, you you know, I don't know if I could do justice to what sound healing actually is, but I will tell you that sound, sound therapy is a form of stress reduction therapy, just like any other holistic, um, healing modality. Um, although sound, the type of sound that I'm studying incorporates instruments. So tuning forks on the body, Tibetan bowls, um, and gantas and tinctures, um, are basically what I have decided to focus on. Now there's, you know, various sound modalities, the voice being one of them, um, chanting and, you know, mantras and things of this nature, other instruments, um, gongs and crystal singing bowls and and things of this nature. But they all really at the foundation um, kind of hone in on helping the parasympathetic nervous system turn on into that relaxation response. Mm -hmm. One of the, you know, for the more sciencey, types that we have listening, you know, one of the things that sound does for the body is it creates um, the, or it allows the cells to uh, create nitric oxide, which is the building blocks of life itself. Now our cells are naturally designed to do that through a a series of puffing um, or it's called puffing if that's what it's referred to as. But when we're in a constant stress response, our cells actually stop doing that. So um, sound healing helps the cells get back to that natural state of well-being. Um, I'm so excited <laughs> to learn. I'm learning so much. Like it's crazy how uh, how much information is there. And I'm just like, it's blowing my mind. Like okay. which looks like what happened in yoga and what happened in Reiki, of course, but yeah. Yeah, it's um, a tremendous opportunity uh, that I've been given to be able to do that. Uh, And that was really me saying, you know, again, surrendering and and being like, okay, let, you know, hey, why not? You know, I do it. Yeah, it it's so rewarding to, um, you know, as we continue to to grow, 
learning doesn't have to stop just after you get a degree in college or a master's or PhD or whatever it is, you know, we're on a constant journey. And so when you find something that speaks to you, like the sound healing sounds like it has, and it lights you up and it's like, okay, I got to know more. It's so thrilling and it's kind of pulling you along to, um, yeah, just continue to continue growing and to continue staying curious, almost like that childlike curiosity of like, okay, what, what is this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we, I think that every human being <laughs> on the planet yeah. should in to what lights them up and learn, a, even if you just get a book on it, you know, you don't have to drop everything and get a certification by any means. But, you know, I think there are things that really light us up that we ignore and um, doors can be opened simply by just honoring that little ting of passion, you know, that kind of pokes at us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would also love, so continuing your your journey here, I want to talk a little bit about this book that you've mentioned to me. We haven't really talked about it too much yet on the <laughs> podcast, but I want to make sure we sneak that in here. Um, so Monica has been in the process of writing a book. Uh, I'll let you speak a little more about, um, you know, what is it about? But I also would love to hear, like, is this something you, you know, when you were younger thought like, I want to write a book someday? Or what did that evolution look like for you? Um, I have written a book. It's very exciting. I, um, it's with the editor right now. I did not, did not set out to write a book. Mm. (laughs) Um, and I think that everybody kind of, not everyone, I shouldn't say that, but I I think some people kind of say, oh my gosh, my life, I should, I should totally write a book about this. I could, or I could totally write a book. I, what I did was, um, on New Year's Eve, uh, in 2020, I kind of, you know, went into meditation and I said, you know, I, I need some guidance. Like I was, I was kind of, you know, in this, not, I wasn't challenged. I wasn't having a hard time, but I felt a little wobbly. Like I didn't have direction going into 2021. I've never been a type of person who was like, okay, here are my resolutions. Here's my list, you know, but I, I like to have some sort of guidance, some sort of feeling like, you know, here we go, you know, one, one foot in front of the other. And I didn't really feel that way. And I know um, a lot of it had to do what was going on at the time, not, not just, you know, globally and things of this nature, but in my own home, mm-hmm. you know, trying to guide my children in the best way um, that I could at the time with everything that was going on in their schools and, and things that they were having to do that probably didn't feel very good to them as far as, you know, all of the stipulations surrounding what was going on at the time. And I remember waking up the next morning and I got a very clear message. Um, I was actually woken up um, and I heard a voice and uh, it, it was just a, a clear indication to start just to write. And, and I said, okay, well, <laughs> what am I writing about? And I'm like, what is so great? Right. You know, now what? <laughs> exactly. So I sat up in bed and I just kind of closed my eyes and one of my um, Facebook posts, a quote popped in my head and I was like, oh, okay. So I, you know, got out my, my lab or laptop uh, iPad and I wrote the quote down. And then all of a sudden I got like this, just like this information coming to me that was, you know, in reference to that quote. So I just started writing. 
And it was, you know, and it was basically just this inspiration that kind of came through me. And I was like, oh, I, and I read it and I was like, oh, that kind of sounds good. So well, maybe I'll do that tomorrow. So I started doing that and it was very therapeutic for me. It was something like, like it was a discipline, you know, it, it became a non-negotiable. I, I made time for it every day. I went out, you know, I traveled a little bit in 2021 and I made sure that, you know, when I was on vacation, I took the time. I never missed a day. And basically I, you know, if you've ever been to my Facebook page, we, we post a quote every single day whether that is something that has come through me um, in my own meditation with a client or a book I've read or a spiritual teacher I follow, we just post a quick quote. And I was, you know, the, the daily quote was my point of reference every single day. So I did this for all of 2021. And I was like, I think that this is a book. <laughs> Here and it I is. Was, that maybe this could be, so I kind of like, and I, I, you know, if you know me like personally, you know that I am um, very introverted by nature. I'm very, very private. I don't really discuss a lot of my personal um, endeavors. And then I was like, wait, <laughs> if this becomes a book, like people are going to know what I'm like thinking and yeah. read my stuff and they're going to be like, oh, that's interesting. Right. <laughs> or they'll be like, oh, she thinks that. What? <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh. So I called my brother, um, who is such a dear, dear soul and my best friend. And I said, what do you think about this? And he, and he is like polar opposite me. He's like extroverted. And he's like, oh my God, we're going to do this. And, X. and I was like, okay, pump the brakes, brother. <laughs> Because like he knew, like I was like, this is like putting myself out there. And he's like, you know what? Even if it's just the kids that get the book and read it, she's like, you deserve, you know, it was it was something that was channeled through you for with purpose. Mm-hmm. Just like everything else, you need to surrender, let go of the wheel, and just and just let it go, you know, and see what happens. So mm-hmm. um as soon as I made that decision, every single thing you could possibly imagine, of course, fell into line. Like there was the editor that I'm working with right now is a dear friend of a colleague of mine who has written books. Um, and he is the sweetest, most loving and caring little old man who is just like, every time I talk to him, I get the, like the warm and fuzzies and he's like very, very meticulous with my work and in constant um, communication with me. Uh, And everything has really, really come together. It's very exciting. I don't have a timeline. I'm very organic about it. I'm like, you know, what? it's going to unfold as it's, as it's needed, it's going to come together in the perfect way. I'm not in a rush. Um, but it really was a therapeutic space for me that year of 2021. And I think, you know, having that as kind of one of those things, one of those disciplines really helped me express maybe some emotions that I wouldn't have actually been able to, had I not had that, that journey Mm -hmm. here. Thank you for sharing all that. That's yeah. an awesome story and reminds me of, um, I hear some of the things that you shared and what I share with clients about like not forcing the creative process, just letting it flow and how therapeutic and how good that felt for you. Um, and yeah, it just sounds like it was so healing, just like letting that process happen. So I'm yeah. super excited to see it once it comes out. And um, 
I am also excited because one of your quotes is in there as well. And we had talked about, I remember reaching out to you and be like, Hey, what do you think about? And you were like, yes, I was so excited that you said yes. Yes. Loved your quote. It was just, it was amazing. And I, um, so I hope your listeners, um, you know, kind of tune into that because it was, I, I loved it. It's, it's pretty cool. We got a lot of local people in the book too, which I love. Um, so yeah. Very cool. Um, well, I guess, yeah, people will just have to follow you to stay tuned of when it actually drops and, uh, be able to snag their copy. Uh, I would love to hear, speaking of books, what are some books that you have most recommended or maybe that you have gifted to folks and they could be on any of the topics we covered today or maybe not even related at all, just books that have really like impacted you? I, um, one of the main books that I give out probably more than any book um, in my office is The Four Agreements. Um, and I know you've read and it. We are going to say that. The ones, right, right. How did you know? Um, it's so <laughs> interesting to me as I, I, and I, I've, I think we've discussed this before. Um, every time I read that book, it's such a simplistic read. Um, it moves me in a different way. And I think mm-hmm. that the, um, the beauty of that book is that it is, it is essential at every step of the journey, you know, every, every life transition, any, any age, you can gain wisdom. Even if you've, I think I've read it six times now and every oh. time like, Oh, <laughs> okay. It's different. I get it. I get it. But, um, so my clients really, you know, if they want a book recommendation, that's definitely one of the first ones that I give. Um, I've also, uh, I'm a huge Abraham Hicks follower, a spiritual teacher of mine. So any, I, I always recommend any one of their books. Um, I often give out, um, there is a book that I read, uh, I work and I know I mentioned this. I work, um, with a lot of, uh, clients, uh, that have had some sort of trauma in their background and their life experience. So there's an exquisite book called what happened to you. And it really, really hones in not just on trauma and healing, but what actually happens in the brain when information comes in to a person who has experienced either acute or chronic trauma in that. I think that has been one of the most eye-opening books for me in my journey of raising a child that has chronic post-traumatic stress disorder, um, was how she processes information and, you know, why sometimes like something would happen. And I would just be like, what, what just happened? And I, I can't like, logically I'm thinking to myself, we, we were just sitting here, but now understanding that something as simple as the tone of someone's voice either, you know, in our space or just on TV can trigger a sensation from a traumatic event. So understanding what all that of those things do, all those pieces fit. Um, and I just, I actually just got done reading, um, the book of joy by Mm -hmm. Desmond Tutu and um, the Dalai Lama. And it is probably one of the most exquisite books I have read in a long time. It was just delight. It was just a great, just enlightening read and it was light and fun and, um, a lot of real deep, you know, um, 
the, both both um, spiritual leaders who are just immense, immensely compassionate beings. Um, of course, um, the Archbishop had has passed and transitioned, but just the words and the you know the love and compassion they had for each other and um, the world really, really just is. Uh, exquisite so um and I'll give you one more just because I see this in my office a ton is um a lot of the I would say probably 99% of the women that I work with um have not taught or have not been taught how to really deeply deeply connect with themselves and I read a book called come as you are Mm -hmm. and I think this really helps not only my clients, but myself really understand connection, just, just deep, deep connection to, um, to self. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for those. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to, I, yeah, I want to check some of those out because I have not heard of come as you are or the book of joy. So thank you for those. Um, kind of to piggyback off that, what about some influences that have like really just shaped you and you know, made a, left a huge impact on you? Let's see. Hmm. Um, I, I will start by saying both my children, of course, um, <laughs> who I have mentioned are probably the greatest teachers in, uh, in my life and continue to be um, not just their challenges, but their love and compassion for life as well. Um, but I, I, I think some of the greatest spiritual teachers that I've had um, the pleasure of finding and following and maybe even going to see speak are uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith, who has um, the Agape Spiritual Center out in the, uh, I think it's Beverly Hills area, um, who is just phenomenal. And I have followed his teaching since 2015. Um, Abraham Hicks, who I have, Esther Hicks, who I've actually been able, had the pleasure of going to a workshop back in 2018. Wow. I caught her um, in cool. the Phoenix area. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Incredible. Okay. Um, I definitely, definitely uh, recommend her. Um, I love Dr. Shafali Sabari, who is um, a family psychologist. She's very, uh, she's pretty well uh well-known um, worldwide now for her um, conscious parenting model, which is um, one of the models that I adopted when the kids were a little earlier, uh, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, a little younger. Um, yeah. And so uh, it's, it's, quite, um, it's quite a radical shift from the way that I was raised. So uh, it took me a little while to adjust, but I knew once I started uh, following her that that was how I wanted to raise my girls and it has benefited us. It was a challenge for sure, but it has definitely. So I follow her a lot um, and I'm a devout, <laughs> devout student of A Course in Miracles, which is a spiritual text uh, that I love. And um, there's a partner uh, book to that called A Year of Forgiveness. And the year of forgiveness has been real influential for me in the past year of really moving through maybe some of the things that have been unearthed through my work with others and just through my own 
own um, healing journey. I think a, a lot of us tend to try to stuff, myself included, stuff some of the, the emotions down that we don't necessarily want to deal with at the time and bringing in um, a sense of forgiveness uh, for number one, doing that. But number two, just that it's life. You know, we're, we're all on a journey and no one's, no one's doing it you know, better than anyone else. It's just our right. own unique unfolding and, and to have forgiveness and grace and compassion for ourselves is, you know, a necessity. It, it really yeah. is. So that book has been pretty influential for me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for those as well. Um, yeah. I want to, or two more questions for you. First, I would like to know, I, I really want to touch on how you stay balanced, because I think it's so important to share with people. Um, and I've actually heard, uh, so I'll just share with listeners. Uh, Monica stated that she, she has kind of the guideline of if it's not a hell, yes, then it's a no. (laughs) And I love that because I actually heard it from, I'm not sure if you're familiar, Derek Sivers. Uh, he shared this in a book. I don't know when he wrote it, but he is like a philosopher, programmer, kind of uh, master teacher. He's been a presenter on the TED stage before. And I actually found him through Tim Ferriss, if you're familiar with his work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, yeah, I had heard this like um, guideline of how to live life and how you stay balanced. So if you want to speak more into that, I'd love to hear because I think it's such a like simple and straightforward and so, um, you know, it it can make a real difference in your world. Yeah, for sure. Um, This is, this is one of the the elements of my life that I really had to take a deep look at. And and that is my obligation to others um, versus my obligation to self. And I I think that I, I was raised in a big, huge family, um, very loving and, um, just a solid foundation. And there was always a sense of putting others before self, putting others before self, doing before self. Um, we just cared for one another. And I love that I have that foundation, but I think for me, it took a turn into my adult life where I was really ignoring what my guidance was, was asking me to do. And so much so that it was becoming more detrimental. And I was actually helping out of more of an obligation than I was helping out of the trueness of generosity. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the difference by how you feel. So if you're constantly helping out of obligation, there becomes a resentment and then an anger follows that. Mm -hmm. If you're helping out of just generosity, compassion, and love, there is no negative emotion attached to that. And it doesn't get depleting because it's actually, you know, from your truest nature and self. So I, um, I kind of had to make that decision and I, much like you had heard it from a teacher, I believe it was Esther Hicks. Um, she said it on a, on a a workshop one time. She's like, you know, if, if you're doing things out of, eh, okay, I guess I could, or I don't really want to, but I will. She's like, you know, what is the purpose in that? Why, why are you doing that? If it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. If you're not feeling it with every single fiber of your being, like I have to do this and your heart is lighting up. That's where you need to be. Hmm. You know, now we, 
you know, we all have things we, we have to do. Like I have to go pick my child up from school, right? <laughs> I have yeah. to get her. I have to, you know, you know, maybe like get the homework, you know, make sure she's you got her stuff on track and things of that nature, which can cause some pushback from her, of course, because she's 15. But, you know, I don't have to go teach a workshop if it's not going to be, you know, if it's not going to allow me to be able to care for self first, if I try and squeeze this workshop in on my only day off, I know that I'm going to be depleted. And so the biggest challenge for me was, are people going to judge me if I say no? Because that's a real thing. Like, we don't want people to judge us. Like, we, you know, or, you know, should I just do it so I don't rattle any feathers? And Mm -hmm. I had to overcome that. That was the biggest thing was like, Monica, you know what? Like, if you think other people are going to judge you, you're judging you. And that's what you need to address. Like, you need to address the self-judgment. Because it doesn't have anything to do with anyone else. It's you. That's your internal setting. So once I came to terms with that, I was like, okay, it's not a hell yes. I'm not in. And uh, and I've been, yeah, yeah. So I've kind of been like, yeah. And it served me. It, it took a little while. I was like, oh god, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> but right. no, I totally. It's just a part of who I am. And I, you know, I and I'm I'm really solid in it, and it feels really good. And what I've noticed now is only, you know, the opportunities that are going to be a hell yes are really popping up on my radar now. So mm-hmm. I'm not having to step into that. Yeah, no, um, situation anymore because the, you know, the, that stuff really isn't, you know, coming on, uh, onto my path as much as it was. And another thing is like staying in places. Like I, I would stay in class or stay teaching classes or in environments where I was like, Oh no, I gotta go back there you know what I mean right yeah, like you just, yeah um so I had to say you know what I'm gonna give you two weeks and then I'm and then I'm done you know uh in I I did it in a, in a gracious way of course and um but I knew like I had evolved out of that it, it mm-hmm. the environment wasn't necessarily bad but it was me who was evolving and ready for something different ready for something else and I needed to honor that and not stay someplace because I felt bad or hurting someone's feelings or you know that type of thing I had to kind of just come to terms with this is just an evolution I'm I'm just evolving out of this now yeah yeah I think it's um like you mentioned like challenging to at the start of making those moves for yourself like oh I have to tell these people no I've always told everyone yes but then the more you do it it's like what we were talking about before you build that muscle and it's like oh actually this is in service to those people because I don't want to show up in this like meh energy and so once you put that perspective on it it's like okay now I understand so It takes, it takes learning, but it's so, um, like I said, it, it makes a huge difference in your world. Yeah. So, I think it's yeah. very liberating too, in, in a way, you know, it's very freeing. Oh yeah. For yourself to that capacity. Absolutely. Uh, well, this has been amazing. I am so grateful that we've had this time today. It flew by. It was a blast getting to know your story more and, being able to share it with the listeners so that more people can discover your gifts and see your brilliance that I've been fortunate enough to. (laughs) 
Step Thank into. you so, so much. It was such an honor to chat with you today, for sure. You're welcome. Uh, last question is where can listeners find you if they want to just, you know, grab some coffee or maybe stop in for a session or what have you? I have an office um, at Thrive Chiropractic and Wellness Center that is um, right off M6 on Kalamazoo between uh, 68th and 76th Street. So it's in the Stone, uh, Stonewater Country Club uh, building. So yeah, my office is there and um, people can find my Facebook page, Monica Arena RMT, or even my personal page. Uh, I share all my stuff there as well. And they can always reach out to me via messenger too. Um, and, and I, again, I love just sitting down and having coffee, like you said, or having people come in and just, and just chatting, um, especially people are just kind of, you know, stepping their toe into holistic healing and, and energetic healing. And they want to just ask some questions. I definitely welcome that because you, you need resonance in it and you need to make sure it's a good fit for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. It's been an honor and yeah, we'll stay in touch obviously. And I yes. hope to see you soon. I know. Me too, Courtney. Take care. You too. Thank you for tuning in to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support us by following along, leaving a review, sharing it out, or donating. There are a few more ways you can get involved in the POA community. Number one, hop on over to Instagram and join the conversation. Two, apply for coaching. We are currently accepting applications for our signature offer, Unleash Your Potential. Three, join our newsletter. This is a quick five-tip email that I send out on Mondays. I deem it Monday Minutes. And it's full of things I am reading, using, and loving to perform at my highest potential daily. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, be sure to sign up. You will receive a free guided meditation for joining. All the links for everything I just mentioned are included in the show notes. It has been a pleasure to have you here, and I thank you so much. I will see you again on the next episode.